Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, How to Pray Like the Apostles Prayed. This is lesson number three. In this lesson, we want to talk about the power of prayer. Again, the premise of this whole series of lessons is Jesus prayed. The, the, the apostles wanted to know him to teach them how to pray. He taught them how to pray, and then he commanded them to teach us to observe all things whatsoever he had commanded them. So he didn't just teach them to pray. He commanded them to pray and how to pray that we find in Luke chapter 11, verses 2 through 4, and Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 11, I believe it is. And so uh, he, he commanded us to pray. He taught us to pray. And as I said in the last lesson, uh, you won't find any place in Scripture where anywhere in the book of Acts or in the uh, epistles where anybody uh, repeated the words that Jesus taught them uh, to pray. That demonstrates that he wasn't teaching them to repeat words. He was teaching them principles of his prayer. He taught them to pray like he prayed. These are the principles of his prayer. And you can go through the book of Acts and all the epistles that you can find many times where each one of these principles that he taught were mentioned, talked about, prayed, etc., etc. So now we want to talk about the power of prayer, praying like Jesus, therefore like the apostles. Okay, uh, James chapter five, verses sixteen and eighteen says this: Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias or Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So that last phrase of verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much, or the effective fervent prayer of a righteous one accomplishes much. Young's little translation says of that of that phrase. I'm only gonna I'm only gonna read the, uh, the the translation of that last phrase in each one of these uh, different versions of the Bible. Very strong is a working supplication of a righteous man. Modern English version says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much, which is the title of this uh, portion of the lesson. Uh, the Amplified Classic edition says the earnest parentheses heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available or brackets dynamic in its working. So the earnest heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available and it's dynamic in its working. The amplified version from 2015 says the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man believer can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. Easy to read version says anyone who lives the way God wants can pray and God and great things will happen. And then finally, the new international national readers version says the prayer of a godly person is powerful. Things happen because of it. Now, my friend, if your prayer is a, 
an obligation, if it's a discipline, if it's something you do, uh, just it's your faith. You do, you pray because you do that. It's your faith. And you don't know what you're missing. There's nothing in this world more powerful than prayer. But not prayer from the perspective of us talking God into doing something. It was all his idea ahead of time. We're not trying to talk him into anything. We're not praying to talk God into something. We're praying so he can use us as his conduit to release his word of authority, his power, his dominion, his might, his name, his will, his kingdom in the earth. Because he is not the God of this world. And he's not the prince of the power of the air. And so the church is like an invasion force. And we are his army. And he is using us as his conduits to pray his will as it's already purposed in heaven. That's what the Greek is. His will as it's already purposed in heaven to be done in the earth. Too many people pray for their will in earth to be done in heaven. Or for him to at least agree to it and then, okay, okay, I, I, you can have that. No, that's not the purpose of prayer. A righteous one is someone who has come to the end of themselves, who is no longer attempting to earn their salvation by what they do, but has become a conduit realizing, like Paul, the things they want to do, they don't do. The things they don't want to do, they do. Uh, To will is present with me, but how to find out how to do what I will, I find not. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? So, a righteous one, not a self-righteous one. Self-righteous people are living for God by their self-will. This pleases me, it should please you, God. This is what I want, you should want to give it to me. So that's self-righteousness, it's not righteous. The only people that are righteous are those who have been made righteous by faith, that he has imparted that righteousness to them. First minutes are baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. And his righteousness is our covering. Psalms 32, 1, blessed is the man whose transgression, or the when that verse is quoted in the New Testament, it's, it's iniquities. Blessed is the man whose transgressions or iniquities are forgiven and whose sin is covered. Covered. So when we confess our sins, the Lord is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If righteousness is our covering, then unrighteousness is us uncovered. So he takes away our sin and he takes away all those things that are uncovering us. So that person that is walking in his righteousness, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst For righteousness they shall be filled. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Because you're not seeking for the things, you're seeking for the kingdom and seeking for his righteousness. So the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man is very powerful and accomplishes much. Why? Because that person's not trying to earn anything. They already have surrendered themselves to God by his grace to do God's will and not their own. And so, therefore, they have become yielded conduits for the Lord for him to speak his rhema or word uh, through them, his authority through them, release his power through them. His name, his kingdom, his will, 
all of that. It's very powerful. Biblical prayer is unlimited in its potential impact if we will just pray like the apostles prayed. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know experientially, not intellectually, to know the love of Christ which passeth or surpasses or superior to knowledge, intellectual knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. There are people trying to work that power and it's not working for them. Why is it not working for them? Because they are not strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Christ does not dwell in their hearts by faith, dwell, not just visit, but dwells there. They're not rooted and grounded in his love. They don't comprehend with all the saints with his breadth, the length, the depth, the height, that they don't know experientially the love of Christ, which is greater than knowledge. And they're not filled with all the fullness of God. But for those who are now under him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. So how is this accomplished, this exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think? How is it accomplished? Through prayer. And according to the power that worketh in us, or the word worketh there is to energize, activate, cause to be operative. So when is that power activated, energized, operating? In prayer. And in prayer, he wants us to know he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask in prayer or even think that we don't have faith to even put into words. Why? Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Now, the thing we've got to somehow understand here is this, in this power of prayer. The power of prayer is that we have been delegated Christ's own authority. Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, Greek is exousia, authority, not dunamis, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Okay, okay, Jesus, you've got all the authority. You've got all the authority. Praise God. Oh, but he didn't stop there. Luke 10, 17 through 19 says, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan's lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you power. Again, Greek is exousia, authority. To tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So, yes, Jesus... The Lord Jesus Christ has all power in heaven and in earth. He is the only face of the Father forever. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. He is the image of the invisible God, 
forever. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Forever. So, okay, he's got all power and authority. Uh, wait a minute. When he sent out the 12 in both Luke 9 and Matthew 10, he gave them authority. Well, of course, they're the apostles. But when he sent out the 70, most of which we don't even have a clue what their names were, in Luke chapter 10, he said to them, to the 70, not the 12, behold, I give you power, authority, to tread contemptuously, is the Greek word, on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, the adversary, the one who is desires to do adver, adversarial things against the body of Christ, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Well, what if we have authority, but we're not using the authority? What if we have been given the authority, but don't even know or believe we've been given the authority? What if we pray... Jesus, do this, the Lord, do this, Lord, change this, Lord, whatever, where we're constantly asking and never speaking, never speaking because we don't have faith. Consider this, Mark chapter 11, verse 20 says, and as the, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree, the one that just a few verses earlier that he was hungry and didn't find any figs on it and said, Man shall, no man shall ever eat any fruit off you ever again. He didn't curse and swear. When he cursed the fig tree, he did not use profanity. He just spoke negatively to it. And verse 21, And Peter, calling to remember, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. The previous verse said it was dried up from the roots. Because when the Lord works... This is a start from the outside in. He starts from the roots and works out. Uh, think about that in a while. Jesus answered him, answered Peter and saith unto them, Have faith in God, for on this account, by this means, whatever. For verily I say unto you, that whomsoever, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. The word therefore is major, because it is a, a conclusive conjunction, meaning... It not only is a conjunction joining what's been said with what's about to be said, but it is it is taking what's been said and drawing a conclusion. And when you look at it, you have to then understand that Jesus equated prayer with speaking to the mountain. Not asking God to move the mountain, but speaking the mountain. Why? I've been given authority. I have received his delegated authority. If I have his authority, I need to be yielded to him so that I'm not doing my will but his, and then let his spirit speak through me as his conduit, his words of authority. 
And when he speaks in author, as author, by his authority through me, he is speaking words of command. Be thou removed. That's a command. Be thou cast into sea. And if I don't doubt in my heart, but I believe that those things which I say under the direction of the Holy Ghost and by his empowerment uh, shall come to pass, then I'm going to have what I have. What I have. That's Jesus defined that as having faith in God. That's having faith in God. So I'm praying for somebody. I lay my hands on them and say, Jesus, this person's sick. Heal them. It's not going to happen. Why? I don't have any faith. He said, speak to that sickness. He commanded them to go and heal the sick, raise the dead. He commanded them. Read it. When he sent out the 70, the 12, and then 70, he commanded them to go heal the sick, cast out devils. He didn't say, go and ask me to heal the sick and go and ask me to cast out devils. Why? Because we're the body of Christ. He abides in us. If we're, if we've surrendered our will to his will, he's going to speak through us. He's going to speak through us. So what is the potential of this authority when we exercise it? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him on his own, at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name of his name, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, <laughs> do you believe that? you believe any of that? you believe all of it? Do I believe it? I am only believing it to the degree that I'm letting him operate that through me. He said, don't fear him that can destroy the body. Fear him that can destroy both body and soul in hell. I say, do you fear him? Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Do I believe that? Are we just letting stuff go on in this world because we don't pray against it? That's not called us to protest. God's called us to pray in the throne of grace, at the throne of grace. He's called us to do that. Now, he said that Christ has been resurrected, the uh, the visible representation of the invisible God for eternity is now sitting on the throne of the universe, and he's the head of the body of Christ, and we're the body of Christ, and he has all, he's, he's sitting there far above all power, Principality, power, and might, and dominion, every name of his name, not only in this world, but the one that's to come. But let's talk about now. And he said he's put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, wait, wait a minute. So he's got all that dominion, and he's abiding in us, and we're his body connected to the head. 
And the head is already there, already sitting on the throne, already ruling and reigning. So what? We pray now, lay me down to sleep. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Okay, we've prayed. Let's go about our business. Really? So if we have all this power and this authority, how's it exercised through us? Ephesians chapter 6 says it this way. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are not our enemies. Jesus said to those that crucified him, both those that had called out for his crucifixion and those that had the responsibility to do the act of crucifixion, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Why? Because they weren't the power behind it. So we can deal with the victims of that power, those who are knowingly or unknowingly surrendered to that power. We can deal with the power because greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. The God in us is greater than the God of this world. Do you believe that? You can't spoil the strong man's house until you first bind the strong man. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places or wicked spirits in the atmosphere. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, Take the helmet of salvation, the confidence in God that you know you're saved, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God or the rhema of God. And then here it is. This is the number one spiritual weapon we have as God's warriors. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, there it is. We'll be looking at these verses more as we proceed through these lessons, but you'll see when we look at these other translations that it's saying, and we're to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We're supposed to pray always in the Spirit, all types of prayer. And we should do that with perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. They're not, we don't have any enemies that are human. Even if they think they're, they are our enemies, they're not our enemies from, from our perspective. They're humans. People that need God, that need to be loved, that need to be uh, delivered, just like we need to be delivered, have been delivered. So we have no enemies except supernatural enemies. There are people that make themselves our enemy by their choice or consider us to be their enemies, but we know better, just like Jesus saying on the cross, we know better. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
They're saying all this stuff. They're doing all this stuff, and they'd like to do more if they had the authority to do. Some of them would. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So we have both the right and responsibility to understand and conclude that whatever the apostles practiced and taught concerning prayer is that which Jesus demonstrated to them and then taught them about prayer. I want to read that one more time. We have both the right and the responsibility to understand and conclude that whatever the apostles practiced and taught concerning prayer is that which Jesus demonstrated to them and then taught them about prayer. And the title of this series is How to Pray Like the Apostles Prayed, which ultimately is How to Pray Like Jesus Prayed. And we can do that. Jesus finished out one of the most detailed chapters on prayer and our attitude in prayer and our expectations in prayer that can be found in all of the Bible. Jesus' teaching on this is very specific, Matthew chapter 6. Now, even though the Bible doesn't give us a lot of detail about his prayer, do you, we really think he taught all that in such detail and didn't practice it exactly? No, impossible. So here's how he concluded that very detailed chapter on prayer, one of the most detailed in the Bible. Matthew 6, I'm only going to start with verse 31 and not from verse 1. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Hello? He just said, we don't have to pray for our needs. We don't have to pray for our needs. Now, I'll explain later, because uh, I don't want to get off track here as I conclude this lesson. I'll explain later why he taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, in the same chapter. So, as his children, he knows what we have need of. He said, for your father knoweth what knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do we seek his kingdom and righteousness first? Or do we seek the additions? Do we? Will we? Because prayer, biblical prayer that's prayed according to biblical instructions with a life that has <clears throat> been given, given itself to God is very powerful. It's very effective. It's very world-changing. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for you and I that God would give us the spirit of grace and supplication, the spirit of prayer, that we would be moved to become conduits of his that he can pray through us and do his will and manifest himself in the earth through our prayers. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.